Welcome to the Independent Advisors Podcast, where we dive into the world of stocks, tradable markets, and financial planning with Jessup Wealth Management's Chief Investment Officer, Mark McEvely, and CEO, Matt Jessup. You'll hear tips, tricks, and strategies to address your financial well-being, and most importantly, conveyed in a way that everyone can understand. Here are your hosts, Mark and Matt. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 205 of the Independent Advisors Podcast, where Matt Jessup and I, Mark McEvely, bring you everything you need to know from the past week in the world of financial markets and financial planning. Uh, this week, Nick Whitaker is joining me, filling in for Matt on the podcast this week. So welcome back, Nick. Good to be here. Coming off the bench. It's been Come. a couple of weeks. I know it it's has good. been since we've be done this. So yeah, it's nice. Uh, as always, before we begin, just want to take the first few minutes to recap the performance for the month and the year of the major indexes that we track. And these numbers are as of the market close on June 14th. And this data is from YCharts. S&P 500 index is up 4.6% for the month and up 13.9% for the year. Dow Jones Industrial Average up 3.3% for the month and up 2.5% for the year. The NASDAQ Composite Index up 5.3% for the month, up 30% for the year. The Russell 2000 Small Cap Index up 7% for the month and up 6.6% for the year. And the Vanguard All World X United States ETF up 5.4% for the month and up 10.7% for the year. Three month Treasury rate at 5.36%, the two year Treasury rate at 4.74%, and the 10 year Treasury rate at 3.83%. Moving on to big headlines, current events from the week, Nick. Obviously, the biggie uh, yesterday was the Fed meeting, and really every single day this week, maybe except for Monday, there was some pretty big data coming out. Mm -hmm. um, so stuff related to inflation, Fed meeting, uh, maybe jobs this week, and there's option expiration, quad options expiration, which I'm not going to get into on the podcast here, but there's a lot of stuff <laughs> going on this week. <laughs> Yeah, um, the the inflation numbers were were in the in the same realm of what we were expected. It actually, came in a little under consensus, which is what the street would want. So, inflation continuing to moderate. Yeah, so which is a always great, good. Always good to see. Great thing. Great thing. So, uh, yesterday at the Fed meeting, um, Jerome Powell and the Fed held rates steady, uh, which was widely expected by the market. Um, however, Powell did make comments alluding to the fact that the Fed will be ready to raise rates again at their meeting in late July. So that's, I think, in about 41 days. So it's the last week of July. Um, and the Fed futures probabilities, which I know we've talked about that a little bit here, Nick, but just to clarify that, the Fed futures probabilities is just a measure used by market participants to assess the likelihood of a future change in the Federal Reserve's interest rates. So, um, and those are sitting at right around a 72% chance of a rate hike in July. Um, and as always, this stuff can change really quickly. I've seen 80% chances one week go to 20% yeah. chances the next week. So this stuff changes very quickly. Yeah. We um, we talked about that a couple months ago on the podcast, and actually there are some cool charts we had of mm -hmm. that um, the futures probability charts and how they changed. I think it was right around the time of the banking 
crisis if you want to call yeah, it yeah so maybe like with march yeah right around yeah march mid-march yeah and we saw if we can dig that one up john maybe yeah. we can link to that in the show notes or yeah, on the we, video we, we saw those probabilities change yeah swing you know 60 70 percent yeah and, within and, a week yeah within a week so um as but, always you know subject to change but that's where it sits for right now uh, the other biggie, Nick, is for the first time in a very long time, it seems like the S&P 500 hit new 52-week highs, uh, which was up 20% from the low last October in 2022, signaling a new bull market. Um, in my opinion, just because you're up 20% from the low doesn't necessarily mean it's a bull market or a bear market um the bear market wasn't declared until most of the damage was done last year um but anyways funny how that works out yeah anyways (laughs) for for uh people that are seeing that on tv and the big headlines that we're in a new bull market we've been in a bull market since the bottom in october um but uh anyways that's how most people classify it so we are in a new bull market up 20 percent from the lows but the interesting thing is that I want people to look at this chart right now, Nick, and you know this 4,100, 4,200 level on the S&P 500 has been a level of what we call resistance or congestion. Um, so we've tried to bust through higher this 4,200 level, um, and it just hasn't worked. It's like banging on the ceiling of a roof, right? And, mm-hmm. and you not pounding through the roof. And, and finally, we broke through that ceiling um, in late May, uh, early June. So uh, this was the first step, in my opinion, of what needed to happen uh, to get the next leg higher in the market. And I think that we've seen that. So um, very positive uh, market action over the past several weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I'm loving, I'm loving the chart, the, the, uh, the beginning chart with all the positive big numbers. Yeah. It's lo- good. Love seeing that. It's a good thing, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Uh, moving on to tweets, articles, and research from this week. Uh, first thing I had, Nick, which I thought was actually a, a really cool graph that I've never seen before, but this was a graphic from David Lundgren, who is a CMT and CFA, uh, and this was from a video that he recorded with Patrick Dunnewalla, uh, who is also a CMT, and he runs the chart report. Um, and the picture that and the graphic that everyone's going to see on the screen right now is titled where do multi-baggers come from so to start i want to define in our industry uh it's kind of our industry lingo what a multi-bagger is so a multi-bagger nick refers to investment that is gained several times its initial investment value that often uh, generates significant returns for investors and the term multi-bagger implies that the investment has multiplied in value multiple times, so typically two or more times. So, for example, if investor buys XYZ stock at $10 per share and the stock price goes up to $50 per share, that would be considered a five-bagger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so multi-baggers uh, are stocks or any investment that has multiplied several times in value, Okay. And what I found that is interesting is this chart shows what drives stock performance over the short term and the long term. And over the short term, stock prices are driven by changes in valuation. So I think a lot of people over the past several years have said, Nick, for example, that 
the rapid increase in stock prices in tech stocks, for example, is just multiple expansion. And what that means is that they're not necessarily generating earnings at all, or they're not generating revenues enough to justify the price at what their stock is trading at. So when people say multiple expansion, that's what they're referring to. People are essentially just buying that stock on a sentiment play or because they like it or because there's a lot of hype there's a lot of hype it's all shiny think about the all the ai talk recently so you're buying all the ai because of the story because of the sentiment mm-hmm. so that that's those types of narratives are what lead to multiple expansion and that's exactly what happened nick with companies like uh DocuSign, the companies like Zillow, uh, Zoom, Zoom, and, uh, Peloton, COVID. like yep. all those COVID stocks, right? That was multiple expansion, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Um, but what's interesting, Nick, is if you look out down the curve, you know, three years, five years, and 10 years, um, it's the fundamentals and particularly the revenue growth that is the driver of long-term stock performance. So when you get out to you know, looking at 10 years from multi-baggers, 74% of the stock return is driven by sales growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought that this was a, a really interesting graphics. I haven't seen anything quite like it before, but yeah, it just goes to show you that, cool. that, that fundamentals matter, right? And, you know, you can see that margins are a big part of that as well as, as free cash flow. So yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that free cash flow is, is tearing down at a at a heavier clip out, you go than yeah. margin um that, that surprises me a little bit yeah it does i wouldn't i would not have guessed that yeah it's, so it's a great chart though i love it um so uh and on here he has a little quote to the right hand side which i love it says the better the fundamentals the better the price trend which is mm-hmm. great uh next thing i have nick is a item from kelly cox and she wrote a blog post on june 2nd titled bad breath and she starts off by saying pass the stock market a mint because it has some bad breath hygiene jokes aside fewer stocks are pushing prices higher these days even though the market itself seems to be drifting upwards market technicians call this a breakdown in breadth the number of stocks going up versus those going down. And when I say breadth, Nick, I'm not talking about B-R-E-A-T-H. I'm talking about breadth, B-R-E-A-D-T-H. Um, great pun, Callie. Great yeah, pun. Great, great pun. So again, when we talk about market breadth, it's a sign of market health. When the market's going up, we want to see more stocks participating in the market. So we want to see more stocks going up than down when the market's going up. Um, and when we have the general market, like the S and P 500 going up, but there's more stocks making new lows than new highs, that's a potential warning sign. Okay. So that means that there's just a few large stocks that make up most of the S and P 500 dragging the index higher, where really a lot of the, the names in that index aren't pulling their weight right and yeah. and it's a sign of market health for us and it can run a lot longer than people think with the the big names just dragging the market higher like oh, apple yeah. amazon microsoft google nvidia tesla go down the list um but long term we want to see more names participate than just that absolutely um so she says if fewer stocks are moving higher then the market could be more vulnerable in this instance tech stocks 
seemed to be the only group moving higher, reminding some of when tech became unmoored from the rest of the market and the dot-com bubble. But in reality, bad breath has popped up in all kinds of markets, up, down, and sideways. And right now, it could be more of a distraction than a reason to sell out. Look at history and you'll notice long stretches of bigger stocks driving market returns. And she posts this graphic that people can see on the YouTube video right now, Nick, and it shows the percentage of S&P market value in the 10 biggest stocks going back to 2000. And as you can see, you know, the 10 biggest stocks have made up a majority of the S&P 500 for the past two decades. And I know right now it's the highest it's ever been, excuse me, so that's one argument that people could have. But in my opinion, it's really not a not as big of an issue as people are making it out to be. And again, this was from early June, so this data was going off of what was happening in May. Since then, we have begun to get some rotation and we have seen breadth improve. Um, and there's more stocks making new highs and new lows, more stocks that are trading, trading above their key moving averages than they were just a month ago. So breadth has improved, but again, in my opinion, it's not that irregular for most of the stocks to be, or excuse me, a small percentage of the stocks to be making up most of the index. Yeah, I, I agree. I'll make one other point on that um, comment that Callie made. Uh, an instance, in this instance, tech stocks seem to be the only group moving higher, reminding some of when tech became unmoored from the rest of the market in the dot-com bubble. Uh, we're not even close to that comparison right now. Mm -hmm. Just a reminder to listeners, and I'm sure they don't need reminding, but just a reminder, uh, the tech sector underperformed heavily over the past two years, so it's a pretty clear reversion trade back in. It's not mm -hmm. like tech out has outperformed over the past three, four years. It's just not been the case. So it's a bit of a reversion trade there. That would be my first point. And the, the second point would just be um, saying exactly what you're saying, where I, I don't think this is that, that big of a deal when people are, are looking at this chart and trying to pull some narrative out of there with the breadth and, and these big leaders leading the market higher. Yes, we want to see a healthy breadth, but to your point, these big companies that are leading the S&P, think about how drastic they've been, and we talk about it, drastic they've been to, to the economy and the economies of scale and even a small business. Think about the cloud. Think about who, who are the cloud providers. The big cloud providers are the guys who are moving this market. Mm -hmm. So when you think about just what has changed in the past five to 10 years relative to some of the narratives that were going on in the early 2000s, early, um, you know, 2010, 2014, this doesn't shock me that much because some of those those key secular drivers have been quite substantial. Yeah, and Amazon. that's a really good point, Nick. I mean, I'm just thinking of like Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google, and then like semiconductor companies like yeah. NVIDIA. Like, what would life be without those companies right now? It's hard I mean, to it, imagine. It's, it's most people... And most professions have been impacted by those companies, either on on a on a professional level and a personal level, or a personal level, and, or just a professional level. But most people in, in um, sitting behind a desk, I would say, uh, us, us desk, yeah. desk jockeys out there, have Microsoft. been impacted um, <laughs> both. And yeah. I would say 
a large percentage of America, even if they don't realize it, have been impacted one way or another by those companies on a personal level. Right. So. Yeah. Very, very interesting. So last thing I had, Nick, it's a quick one. Um, the recent, most recent Barron's Magazine cover on June 12th. Um, so John, I'll throw this up uh, on the YouTube channel for us but for those that are just listening it is a blue magazine cover that says this market has legs and it is a bull uh with its front legs up and its hind legs on the on the ground so uh it says the bull is back why more stocks could join the tech leaders and i always hate seeing this because to me i'm like up okay party's over we're, yeah. we're going to go into either a period of consolidation or the market's going to pull back a little bit, which is fine. Um, but I think you're starting to see more and more people try to participate in this up move because the FOMO is coming back, right? The yeah. fear of missing oh, yeah. out. Um, so again, this is just one indicator. Uh, Barron's actually has been pretty good over the past couple uh, years. It's really the economist is the main one that I look at that's yeah, a little yeah. iffy, but yeah. um, just I think that there are more people getting more and more bullish right now, which at some point I think that is going to turn into a headwind um, because when there weren't a lot of people that were, were bullish, you know, everyone was like, you know, economy's going to hell in a handbasket, the stock market's going to follow it. So that was kind of the fuel that, in my opinion, drove some mm -hmm. of the market higher at the first half of this year. So. Um, just something to keep an eye on, which is interesting after we've had a pretty strong move so far this year in the first half. Absolutely. It's a strong looking bull, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> okay. The, uh, the first thing I have here is uh, another look at how uh, fund managers are positioning their portfolios and their capital. It's a tweet from Ryan Dietrich. Uh, he says the following, as the S&P 500 breaks the 4,200 level, which we talked about earlier, a debt ceiling drama was overblown again, and the economy continues to surprise. Money managers pile into bonds, the highest overweight to bonds since March of 2009. And then he says, we've been overweight equities since December, and this isn't going to do anything to change our minds. Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting point, and it's a great tweet to follow up exactly what you just said, where uh, some of those bid-ask uh, ratios are, you, know, you wonder if the, the narrative's so negative, people have done all the selling that they can do, and so we've had a bit of a, a push in the market because there are less market participants on the equity side. Um, this chart uh, follows that up pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting to see I guess I'm not too surprised by it, and probably just because I've seen this chart a couple of times over the past few years, mm -hmm. but what, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I just think it, you know, it. it's interesting because even though people are getting more and more bullish right now, Nick, I think it's more of a cautious optimism. Yeah. And like I just said, it's, it's more of FOMO. They don't want to be on the sidelines when the market screams higher by 30 or 40 percent right but they still you know like, like ryan said kind of last week it's really interesting because there's so many people that are like angry that the market is doing so well this year oh, right yeah. it's because think they think that they were trying to predict the next 0708 and they thought this was it 
and yeah. it just hasn't happened yet. Could it happen some point in the future? Yeah, but there's a lot of people that are that are angry about this. But at the same time, like we're just talking about here, people are still overweight bonds relative to stocks. And next week, I'm going to have a piece on the podcast, Nick, about the the fund flows of money going into stocks, bonds, and money market funds. And I won't give it away just yet, but it's with the market performance we've had this year, it's pretty surprising what the what the fund flows say about people where they're placing their bets right now. Mm. Just gonna leave me on the edge there. Yeah, giving you a little cliffhanger. All right. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting to see this over overweight to bonds. Uh, we'll see we'll see how that plays out. I'm not sure. Uh, the, the second piece I have is a, an update on jobs data uh, and specifically the forecasting around jobs data. This is a fun one. It's from Bespoke Investment Group. Uh, and I'm going to read a, a little clip here. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But he said, uh, for over a year now, economists have been underestimating the rate of job growth in the U.S. economy, and they still haven't made the n necessary adjustments in, to their modeling. In football, a coach only gets one halftime to make the necessary adjustments, but economists have had more than 10 halftimes and they still can't get things quite right, which is a pretty funny uh, analogy, which I love, especially we're going to throw this chart up here. But it's funny because it's true. It's, <laughs> it's funny because it's very true. And when you look at this chart, you'll understand why people are talking about this so much um, because, you know, the, that's what these guys do. They're economists. They... You know, they're supposed to have the bead on the economy. They're supposed to, you can see the history of this chart. That kind of range of expectation of misses and how often they're going to miss. And you can see it's just continued to stack, um, which is, it's really interesting to see. Um, I've not seen it. I would love to see this chart going back to the beginning of uh, econ data. It'd be interesting to see. But so for uh, 20 for, years. <laughs> so for so what this chart is telling us, Nick, what it looks like here, just so we can break it down for people that aren't watching, it's the streaks of better than expected non-farm payrolls reports. So mm -hmm. what this chart is showing us is the jobs reports have been stronger than expected they've beat the consensus. past 14 yep. reports which yep. is pretty crazy but especially considering how the most before that it looks like maybe like five or six five or six during the resurgence of covid which is fair that economists would miss that right a lot of people did it was a very v-shaped correction it was pretty wild yeah uh, economic and time and why 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 this is important for me you know people might be thinking like hey what you know why are these guys talking about jobs reports what does this have to do with it but um i think this is again another reason why the fed may be in a position to hike rates next month is that the economy is still hanging in there pretty good and maybe not even hanging in there maybe it is still pretty strong um, by all the by all the numbers, yes. You know, I think Absolutely. that it's it's hanging in there a lot longer than people have thought. People thought that it was going to be pretty quick that everything was going to go to crap. Mm -hmm. um, but as we can see, jobs numbers are still strong, which means um, inflation may be still hanging around for a little bit. Which means the Fed wants to nip that in the butt. Which means there's probably going to be another rate increase or two before the end of the year. Um, but in, in my opinion, uh, this shows that the, the economy is actually doing better than a lot of people expect or have expected. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And the economists are missing it. Yeah. And the economists <laughs> are missing it again. And I'm not a big prediction forecaster guy. I think it's fun to do just for that, for fun. Yeah. Um, but we don't make investment decisions based on predictions or forecasts. Uh, yeah. We deal with factual data mm-hmm. that we already have. Absolutely. The last piece that I have for listeners is a, a piece of research from Argus. Um, and it's a little it's a little longer, but I'm going to read it because uh, it's it's a, a very excellent point. It's about U.S. GDP. Uh, U.S. GDP grew 1.3 percent in Q1 of 23, and according to Atlanta Fed G, uh, GDP Now tracker, is running at 1.9 percent for the second quarter of 2023, according to the Argus Pre- President and Chief Economist John Ede. Who is forecasting just over two percent growth? The Isn't second that quarter forecasting number again. There's a forecasting number. Who's for, <laughs> forecasting just over two percent growth? The second quarter could uh, the second quarter could be the strongest GDP quarter in 2023. While Argus looks for more moderate GDP growth in the second half of the year, we continue to believe that the U.S. economy can avoid recession in 2023. Stock momentum has swung to a to positive on a variety of factors, including AI fever, debt ceiling, the debt ceiling process, better than anticipated earnings. If the U.S. economy can avoid recession as the Fed engineers a soft landing, stock momentum could accelerate further in the second half of 2023. So to summarize what he's saying, GDP is, is normalizing. Uh, we're up a little over a percent in the first quarter. We think it could go up to 2%. This is from Argus again. Uh, And they think it's possible that the Fed is going to be able to engineer a soft landing. We've had some nice narratives in the market that have given us a little bit of excitement. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you take that with earnings and this economic situation not falling falling through the floor as some of the bears out there predicted, uh, Jim Keller uh, over at Argus is saying that we could actually avoid a recession this year and stocks can continue higher from here, which yeah, is uh, an interesting. Ryan Dietrich viewpoint. and his team at Carson have been saying the same thing yeah. uh, as well. So, oh, could you imagine the outrage from the from the bears or from the people that have been saying there's definitely going to be a recession in, in 2023? Yeah. They would be outraged there's there's one shop that comes to mind and they were they were great at predicting uh, 2021 2022 they did great uh morgan stanley but they're still extremely bearish most bearish on the street last last i checked in on it so yeah those those will be in the outrage camp yeah so um yeah there's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna be mad about this but I, for one, uh, am not. I'm quite happy with how this year is playing out. So, um, you know, in my opinion, strength begets strength and mm-hmm. until it doesn't, until it stops. So um, market's in an uptrend. It's in a period of, of higher lows and higher highs. And until that turns around, um, you know, things are, things are okay right now for us. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You think back about, uh, I'm trying to think, maybe like six Six months ago, you know, people are really hating on the Fed and mm-hmm. really hating on Powell. We did it, sure. Yeah, everyone, everyone does it. Yeah, that's like the thing in finance. You gotta hate the Fed. Right? Yeah, 
I don't think I've ever listened to someone that like loves the Fed or loves the Fed president. No, I'm I'm pretty indifferent. I just think you know they're trying to do their job. But it's funny because the 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 financial narrative out there is there's a lot of uh, a lot of angst towards the Fed. But look at what they've been able to achieve thus far. Inflation has come down pretty steadily without tanking the economy. I mean the housing numbers aren't great you know it's not mm-hmm. it obviously have come down a little bit um but that's what we want i mean things are going pretty well i mm-hmm. would say and then you've got very smart sharp people in the market saying hey we're gonna have a soft landing we might even avoid a recession this year and the, and the stock's gonna are gonna go higher you flash back six months ago and think yeah. about why are they raising rates so right. fast? they missed it they, exactly. they should have done it earlier yeah it's crazy how, how quickly things change. It's like, you know, when yeah. egg prices skyrocketed, everyone's like, what are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> what are they doing? Egg prices have, have quadrupled. Yeah. And then now that the market's up nicely for the yeah. year, it's kind of quiet. Everyone's like, ah, they're not so bad. Ah, they're okay. They're actually, <laughs> and again, like you said, we've done the same thing. We've been like yeah. hypercritical and then we're like, ah, yeah. you know, it just depends on the day, right? Yeah. Um, so... Anyways, uh, Nick, thanks for joining us uh, for episode number 205 and filling in for Matt. Always appreciate your insight and and you coming on. And I hope uh, everyone has a wonderful uh, weekend. Market is closed on Monday for uh, Juneteenth. So for some of us, it'll be a much needed long weekend to enjoy time with family and friends. Uh, But we will be back with you all next week for episode 206. Thank you for listening to the Independent Advisors podcast. If you're interested in hearing more, hit the subscribe button so you can be notified every time a new episode gets released. Feel free to share with friends, family, and follow us on Twitter at Jessup Wealth, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Mark and Matt will continue to share beneficial information on these social media sites. Also, check out the podcast tab on their website. That's www.jessupwealth.com management.com. There you'll find links to every episode of the Independent Advisors. Have questions or topics you want to discuss on the show? Message us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or send an email with the words questions and topics in the subject line to inquiries at jessupwealthmanagement.com. We'll talk about it right here on the podcast. Certain sections of this commentary may contain forward-looking statements based on reasonable expectations, estimates, projections, and assumptions. Forward-looking statements are not guaranteed of future performance and involve certain risks and uncertainties which are difficult to predict. All indices are unmanaged and are not available for direct investment by the public. Past performance is not indicative of future results. This podcast is provided for general informational purposes only and does not constitute either tax, legal, or financial advice. Although we do go to great lengths to make sure our information is accurate and useful, we recommend you consult a tax preparer, professional tax advisor, financial advisor, or lawyer regarding your specific circumstances. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. No strategy can guarantee any objective or goal will be achieved.